Hey, my name is Nino, and I'm going to be your host for today. Welcome to My Immigrant Story, where we interview first-generation Canadian tech professionals and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they discovered Canada as a country and set themselves up for career success. Happy listening! Hey everyone, today I'm speaking with Ashni Shah. Ashni is the founder and CEO of Mido, a product that allows users and companies to securely store and share their personal documents. She's also the founder of HypeDocs, an app that helps users track their achievements and gain confidence. She graduated from the University of Toronto with a degree in computer science and has worked as a software engineer and entrepreneur since. So excited to have you here, Ashni. Thank you so much for joining. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Nino. How are you doing? I am doing well, uh, enjoying the Toronto rainy fall. Uh, <laughs> Always. Yeah, so I'd like to start with asking, which city and country are you originally from? Yes, I was born and grew up in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, that's in for folks who aren't aware of where that is in the world. It's in the eastern part of Africa. Very interesting. And when did you move to Canada? And which city and province did you settle down in? I moved here in 2011. So I came to study computer science at the University of Toronto and settled in Toronto. Wow, so quite some time here now. Yes, it feels like a blink of the eye, but it also feels like all of my adulthood at this point, too. Yeah, for sure. And uh, did you live anywhere else along the way? I think you've traveled quite a lot, or was it just Kenya and Canada? Yeah, um, I've lived and worked in other places. Like, I've traveled a lot, um, and then I've worked at other places. Like, I worked in Seattle for four months as an intern. I also worked in Indonesia, which was pretty amazing um and then across canada i have lived and worked in vancouver for a year and kitchener for two years um but otherwise the majority of my time has been in toronto wow but that's still quite a good amount of places that you've been to at the same time yes i also love traveling as you mentioned and as a sneaky little side i collect shot glasses from everywhere i go to so i've got a very big healthy shot glass collection in my living room as well Oh, I can imagine. I had one of those as well, but then it just became too bulky to move around. I cannot move because I refuse to pack them up at this point. They're going to break during the move. I'm warning you right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm aware. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, taking it back to the beginning, how did you discover Canada for the first time? Like, did you specifically want to go to University of Toronto? Did you have a few other options? Like how you came here, basically? Yeah, great question. Um, So my mom has three sisters, there's four of them. And one of her sisters actually moved to Canada even before I I moved here as a student. And um, over the summers, I would come out and visit her and then also go down to the state. So like we'd go and do, you know, the whole Disney World and Universal Studios in Florida, and then come to Toronto to visit my aunt and her family. Like a family trip. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's how I started getting more familiar with North America and with the idea of Canada. Um, But I think the reason I ended up picking Canada over anywhere else is, um, you know, growing up in Kenya, the most common country to go to at, at that time for education was the United Kingdom. But that just never really felt right for me. I, I don't know why, but it just never felt like my place. Mm-hmm. And so I mostly applied to universities in the US and Canada. And I mean, aside from the hilariously outrageous cost difference between education in the two countries. Yeah. Yeah. There was just something about Canada that kept pulling me in. And I think part of it was having my aunt and her family nearby too. And that's really nice to have, like, at least there's somebody by you and the cost of education in the U.S. is just outrageous. I can definitely speak to that. Yeah. 
And uh, could you provide a quick summary of the immigration pathway that you took? I'm assuming started with a study permit and then express entry. Uh, mostly, yeah. So study permit, um, I ended up doing a PY entrepreneurship here. So that's sort of the U of T equivalent of co-op back in the day. Yep. Um, so I had to extend my st study permit from four years to a fifth year. And then after graduating, I got a PGWP, which is the post-grad work permit. That was um, valid for three years, which meant I never had to go through the visa process with the company I worked at, which if, if you're, yeah, like if you're able to do that, it's, it's really helpful and beneficial because it doesn't tie you or lock you into any specific company. It gives you a lot more flexibility. So I highly recommend it. Um, and then I think about just over a year after I started working. Um, so this is probably December, January, 2017, I think, um, or maybe 2018. I got the, I qualified with all the points and everything and got my invitation to apply for permanent residence. Um, so I'm currently a permanent resident. However, I've met, finally met all of my days <laughs> to yeah. be in the country um, and actually did my citizenship test a month ago. So I'm just waiting on the next steps from there. Congratulations. That's Thank big. You. Yeah, it, it, it's such a slow process that you forget yeah. about it while living here. But, you know, it's, it's such a big achievement as well. Absolutely. I am right in the same boat with you. You yes. just don't hear anything for months and then just one day. It's like, oh, this is actually moving forward. Yeah. And I think the funniest part was I was talking about it with another fellow friend who is also an international student. And uh, I was talking about how I was, I was about to travel for a month for some friends' weddings and then visiting family. And she's like, what happens if you get your citizenship test while you're out of the country? And lo and behold, I got the test while I was out of the country. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. they, um, fortunately, the Canadian government has made changes to the way it's done. So it was okay for me to take the test. But it, I know like a year ago, it, that wasn't an option. So definitely, definitely fortunate for the changes being made today. Also a little bit stressful to prep and study oh, yeah. for that exam and take it while you're abroad, praying your internet doesn't break down in the process. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like the number of things that could go wrong in this process, will will find ways to go wrong. It's always the case, but I'm glad you were able to successfully take it. So that's that's always good. Yeah. And uh, going back to your work history, what was your first job after university and how did you find it? So before I talk about my first job after uni, I think it's worth mentioning my internships as well, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so my first job period was an internship in Indonesia. And um, my, like my parents are part of this global community of business workers. And I saw a post from you know, someone else who's in the same community in Indonesia in that, in, in that community saying, hey, is anyone a developer and interested in coming and working? And I was like, I have no other plans. I like Indonesia or the idea of it. Sure. Adventurous. <laughs> I love to travel. I love, I love doing the wacky things. Um, I ended up going, I had an amazing time um, for the developers out there in the audience. I ended up coding PHP um, and it was a really old school style uh, development company because we didn't have GitHub or anything like oh, that. Wow. Yeah, like we would literally upload our files using an FTP transfer. Um, so it was it was really a throwback. Um, and then I think one of my favorite parts of the whole experience is there was the guy who posted who made the post, the owner. And then there was one other developer and me. 
and the other developer did not speak English. So it was really a, you know, do or die kind of experience out there of like, I don't speak Java or Javanese, not the coding language, but the actual spoken language. And so the two, like the the other developer and I were constantly trying to figure out how to communicate and like using Google Translate religiously, it was quite an experience. Um, Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I think that actually set me up for success, though, in in ways you wouldn't normally think, because I remember a couple months later um, in a job interview to work at Amazon as an intern. And I remember telling that story and the interviewer kind of just like paused, taking notes. And he's like, you interned at a company and no one spoke English. I was like, yeah, and I didn't speak their language either. And I think he was just really impressed by that. And um, that helped me get selected over, you know, the variety of uh, other really great candidates who are also doing the same job. Yeah. I mean, some of my best friends were all going for it and our resumes are identical. Our thought process is almost identical. So I think it definitely gave me the leg up. For Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I then worked at Amazon as an intern and then I did my PEY term. So that was a 12 month internship at a company called Oanda. And uh, Oanda is a foreign currency uh, trading platform if you know what that is great if you don't know what Mm -hmm. that is don't ask me Um, I think that was probably my favorite internship experience because I got to really own a big part of the product and the team I was working with was also amazing Um, and then after that internship I graduated and then got my first full-time job at Microsoft uh, which was in Vancouver, followed by a my next job, which was at Square, before I started my own path. Nice. Very interesting uh, story that you had there. And um, I kind of like the little stint about Indonesia, because definitely <laughs> says a lot about your character there, too. Um, <laughs> and I, I do you. have a question there regarding, like, what would you say was the biggest challenge that you faced as a professional starting to build their career in Canada? And what were some of the actions that you took to overcome it, at least the main one? I can see like the Indonesia thing actually kind of played into you like uh, like ranking higher than other candidates. Is there anything else that you can think of that potentially helped you with like securing a good job after university? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're making me think back, but in a really good way. Uh, so part of the reason I didn't have summer internships lined up earlier is because getting a visa to work at a company in the US as a Canadian student is really, really hard. And you have to plan months in advance. And you wanted Uh, to intern in the US? Well, so as a developer, a lot of the really good paying jobs are in the US. And, you know, obviously, like, pre COVID pre work from home era, um, as an intern, you want to go to a company that's, you know, for lack of a better word, spending a lot of money on you. Um, And so like, Yeah, like Microsoft, uh, I I never worked there. But when I was at Amazon, uh, many of my friends were also at Microsoft. And they would host so many events, they would have concerts, I think Coldplay um, played at one of the concerts many years ago. Wow. Yeah, like they they throw a lot of money at interns, because for them, it's investing in us to then convert over and become full time employees and very loyal. Um, Of course. And so that was probably one of the biggest hurdles is as a international student in Canada, it became very hard to get some of those visas. Companies like Amazon and Microsoft do generally help play, uh, pay and plan for it. But you also have to be careful because, and I don't know if this rule is still true, but um, I know my friend got trapped in it. If you do the J-1 visa, which is the intern visa, one year, yeah, 
you can actually do a second year without some additional paperwork in between. Uh, and like, there's a whole bunch of rules and things like that. And like, you, you can get past it. You just need to know about it ahead of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard certain restrictions about yeah. that. So I'd say that was definitely one of the toughest things because, you know, you see all of my friends are getting job offers with companies in the US and they're all going and having an amazing time and making lots of money. And because I was focused on the US originally, I didn't try to get too many jobs in Canada. And then I ended up mm -hmm. the summer without having anything lined up. And uh, fortunately, I still, you know, I, I hustled and I figured other stuff out and I got to go to other countries. Um, but it, it is something to keep in mind. And then I'd say the other big thing is once you like while you're in university, if you're working in Canada, visas are usually not an issue. Um, whereas as a founder, I've now discovered that a lot of grants to hire interns might require the intern to be Canadian. So that's where things can get a little tricky. Mm. Um, however, where things can get harder is when you make that transition from a student to full time. And a PGWP isn't the equivalent of a PR. So, it is some, not correct. Yeah. so some companies are really scared about investing time into someone that isn't on a PR or, you know, like uh, officially on that track, which is unfortunate. Like there's um, companies that don't even want to invest into a person with a PR because they don't want to deal with somebody that hasn't worked in Canada before. That's like a whole separate topic. Yes. Yeah. I mean, a whole other topic. And, and part of the reason is because some of these companies need to cover or like help support um, the process, like the application process. For example, one of the companies I worked at actually had lawyers fill out all of the paperwork for me. So all I had to do was supply the dates that I traveled and that was it. That's good. Yeah. Actually, another thing to keep in mind, this didn't impact me too much because I plan on staying in Canada. But as an international student, if you wanted to go work in the US after graduating, I don't think it's possible. Um, yeah, because, it's hard. Yeah. I think the way it's set up is you have you have to apply for whatever visa it is using your uh, diploma but the deadline to apply is before you actually graduate and get the diploma wow it was something really stupid like that and so you know many of my international friends and i all kind of ended up staying in some part of canada because we couldn't actually go down to the states straight away good for canada though you guys are the fresh brains graduating and contributing yes. to the country's economy <laughs> yes no i i mean i I kind of like the idea of staying here. I mean, yes, I might freeze my butt for four months out of the year, but <laughs> the benefits I get living in this country are far, far greater than that. For sure. And uh, could you name one of the one or two of the most impactful decisions that you made that put you on the path of professional success in Canada? Like, I know you have like a little bit different of a path, like you started working full time and then you moved to entrepreneurship, but in general, like throughout your career, what would you say was very decisive? I think the biggest one was making the decision to join the student union, like the computer science student union at the end of my first year. Really? Yeah. So in high school, I was very active in all the different clubs. I think I was like on the committee of almost all of them at my school. I was that student. Yes. Wow. Um, <laughs> it should not surprise anybody at this point. Um, in first year, I was in nothing and it just felt very odd. And I felt like I was just wasting a lot of my time. So in second yeah. year, I was very strategic and I decided I wanted to join the computer science student union and specifically for the 
external liaison officer role. And my thinking behind it was, well, I want to go and connect and network with as many people as I can that are in the industry and especially recruiters, because at some point I'm going to need a job. Mm -hmm. And by having this external liaison role, the role was literally talk to businesses, talk to companies and try and get them to sponsor or host events with us. Oh, that's really good. All of that networking you're doing? Yeah. I mean, there was a point when I was graduating, um, like my final year of university, and I could almost walk into any business, like any tech company in Toronto, and at least somebody there would recognize me because of how much networking um, how much relationship building I had been doing at that point. Like a lot of the recruiters knew me, but even developers and just other people that I would meet through tech events and things like that, they would all recognize me. It, it still happens today, which is which is a really nice feeling. Wow. Um, yeah. So I think that was probably one of the biggest ones. And then the second biggest one, actually, this is probably bigger in retrospect, um, was starting and planning UFT hacks. Yeah. Um, it was literally running a business on top of a full school schedule and everything else. Um, but it was, you know, like the experiences I got out of it, bar none, like it's, it's helped create a strong foundation for me to run my own business. Uh, the relationships, the networking, um, you know, like I've been asked to go back and speak this year because it's their 10 year anniversary. Like my, my UFT hacks baby is turning 10 years old. It's, it's insane. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it for the last seven years, but it's still like, though, you helped make it happen. It's still yeah. like your project. Yeah. Like what, what they've managed to do with it and where they've taken it has been inspiring to watch and just being a part of that has been amazing. Like I can, especially now that I'm back in Toronto, a lot of people in Toronto know what UFT Hacks is. And so when I'm meeting people, and especially if it's someone I'm trying to impress, because that happens a lot as a founder, I'm constantly trying to impress someone somewhere. Um, you know, I can always kind of just add that as my tagline and be like, oh yeah, my name's, you know, Ashney. I'm the founder of Mido and Hype Docs. Oh yeah, I also created UFT Hacks 10 years ago. And as soon as I say UFT Hacks, they're like, oh, oh, you mean you helped Toronto? I'm like, no, no, that was my baby. I started it. And that's when the light bulb goes on and they're like, okay, we're definitely, we're definitely going to listen to you now. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. good. And uh, based on all of this varied experience that you've had, what is your one biggest piece of advice for skilled professionals that are looking to move to Canada right now? Or if you want, you can give that advice for international students, basically anybody that's looking to come to Canada to build a life and uh, like career here. Yeah. Um, I, I'll focus the first part on students. There are so many opportunities for you to go out and get connected with the industries that you're interested in working in. They're constantly running free events. They're constantly running ways to meet them and internships. So go out, reach out. If you're a developer, get into hackathons. It's the best way to meet people in general. Um, and, and try not to miss out on some of these opportunities. Like, Yes, school is important. Please don't balk on that. Um, but of course. Uh, yeah, but like one of the best things you can do is take advantage of all of these extra opportunities you get, especially because we're finally back on campus or you guys are. I'm not in school anymore. <laughs> and then um, for, you know, anyone else who is hoping to come and build a life here in Canada, it's a really great welcoming community. Um, I find at least on the tech side of things, there are so many Slack channels, WhatsApp groups, Facebook groups that are out there to really help and support you. 
whether it's, you know, something like I'm looking to move to this neighborhood or I've never been in winter before. How do I prepare for it? You know, or, or even, yeah, I mean, I, I literally grew up on the equator. So anything below 10, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and I think that's what makes Canada, at least to me, very, very special and very unique is it's just a really fun way to have a different perspective on life um, or have a have a different type of life anyway. For sure. I think that's really great advice. Um, anything you'd like to add about the projects that you're personally working on? Maida would be a really good example here or Hype Dogs, whatever you want to talk about, really. I know you have a lot going on. <laughs> yes, sure. I could talk my ear, uh, your ear off about this. Um, so I think, and I'll tie this back to the advice I just shared. Um, find Find the things that really make you passionate and focus your time and energy on that. And the reason I say that is I'm really passionate on building a better tomorrow and finding ways that I can take the skills I have. So as a developer, as an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. and use them to really make a positive impact in the world and build that better tomorrow that I want. And I'm hoping both Mido and Hype Dogs let me do that. So with Hype Dogs, I'd, you know, fully focused on empowering people to track their achievements to gain confidence and to help get them over imposter syndrome, which especially for women and international people is a big problem. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure, you know, you and I've talked about this many times. Yeah. And um, for Mido, it actually spurred from my own personal experiences. Um, I'm actually a citizen of four countries. Well, Canada would be the fourth. And keeping track of all of those documents is a real pain. So that's where the inspiration for Mido came from. Um, but it's now spun into something a lot more than just that, which you know focuses on privacy, focuses on our privacy as individual people, while we continue to buy homes, we continue to work with banks, work with accountants, um, you know, whatever it is that we're looking to do and to further our lives, whether it's here in Canada, back in our home countries, um, or the next destination, wherever that may be. And um, I'm hoping that Mido will help make that process a lot easier and safer for everyone. That's really interesting. And I like both of those ideas a lot. And I really hope they keep on growing and developing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. So thank you so much for sharing all of this valuable information. As we wrap up, could you tell us one fun fact about yourself, like something you use during an icebreaker? Oh, 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 you're excited about this. (laughs) I think you know which one I'm going for. I think I do. (laughs) I uh, once fell out of a helicopter in uh, in Vegas. Still baffles me. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to know more, get in touch. I love that. (laughs) It's an interesting story. I will say that. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Well, it was really great speaking with you, Ashni. Thank you so much for sharing everything. Absolutely. Have a great day, Nino, and everyone else. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to My Immigrant Story. We hope you're going to join us again soon.